as you know, uh, Carl and myself run this podcast uh, strictly out of our own pockets and try to do our best. And we've had a guy step up, um, a gentleman by the name of Doug Beers. Doug Beers has a company called Pro Gift Cards. Um, it also funds our other sponsor, uh, PGC Basketball Academy, with some other key corporate donations um, that Doug gives out. He's a very generous guy. We're very thankful for him. If you need bulk gift cards, and when I say bulk gift cards, I've been to his office from Tim Hortons to Earl's to Canadian Tire. It's across the board, Walmart, you name it, all right? For your company or any organization, Pro Gift Cards can get them to you at a discount. If you mention a Hoops Journey podcast, you'll get a special discount as well. So whether you're running like a golf tournament or some sort of event, reach out and he'll take care of you. If you Google Pro Gift Cards, they're also found on the Walmart Canada website under gift cards as the exclusive supplier for Walmart Canada gift cards. Support his company. Uh, he's a great guy, a big hoop head, um, and has really looked out for our podcast. Once again, that's Pro Gift Cards. Mention a hoops journey and you can find yourself a little bit of a deal. Thank you to Doug Beers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a hoops journey. Thrilled to have this gentleman on with us. Um, I will not tell you how long ago we had J.D. Jackson on the show and recommended this man uh, to to chat with, um, but he's a busy man and I have my own life as well, the juggling back and forth. And luckily I rolled up to Toronto Raptors practice last week and I said, oh, I know that guy. I've been harassing him for a long time to get on this podcast. So I cornered him and uh, put him in a headlock. No, I didn't put him in a headlock, but uh He's a guy who's, honestly, if you give him a Google and you look him up on Wikipedia, there's too many things to mention. Um, one thing to shout out is that we're both born in Penticton. So there you go. I'm a Penticton-born uh, man myself. Uh, this guy played at Northern Idaho and Idaho all over Europe, um, you know, for 10, 12, 13 years professionally. Instantly uh, seemed like he started coaching right away since then. Um, has been coached with the Raptors, has been head coach of Team Canada. Um, has won multiple European championships and most recently coming off. Um, and I think anybody that followed the tournament saw the amazing run that Germany went on. And this guy was the head coach of that FIBA World Cup championship team and did an amazing job with them. We have another than Mr. Gordy Herbert with us today. How are you, sir? Doing great. Thank you. I didn't Good. know you were from Penticton, though. I am. My dad is the old, uh, he's the old store manager at Woodward's. So he was in Calgary and then my brother is three years older. We moved to Penticton. Yeah, I was born in Penticton, was there for uh, like uh, almost up till grade five, I want to say. And then we moved to the island and then to the mainland. So kind of followed his jobs, but yeah, right. always loved Penticton and then had the opportunity when I was um, younger in teaching and then still in school at Brandon to go up with Kevin Hansen and do the uh, the old Penticton basketball camps and with Nikoni and all those guys and obviously have some connections. We've had, you know, Jeff and JD and I played for Mike Clark was an assistant when I was at Langara. So, you know, lots of connections to the community up there. Um, you know, like I said, I ran into you. So how have you been enjoying your little vacation after a, a whirlwind, not just time, but you know, that, that FIBA championship window is um, amazingly hard to get through. Congratulations on all your success, but how have you been enjoying some, some time to yourself and to just reconnect with family. 
No, after the we got back from um, the Philippines, I just went to Mallorca, actually, Spain, for three days and and sat by the pool for three days and had a few cold ones. And, uh, <laughs> um, and you know, we I had to stay around because we had some TV stuff to do in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a couple of weeks in Finland um, chopping some wood and uh, took my chainsaw and axe out to the out out to the wilderness. Nice. And um, yeah, being in Canada, I was at the Raptors camp for a week, and uh, now I'm just up the Sunshine Coast with my mother. And next week, back to Europe. Nice. And I think anybody that followed along, um, you know, obviously lots of interest on the Canadian side, but just tuning into the games and the really cool sort of visual of you sitting against the wall, soaking it in. Have you taken more time since then to kind of process that um, and what that accomplishment is? Or are you a sort of a what's next kind of guy? You know, I've told told our, our players and our coaches, you know, we don't talk about the Olympics. Let's just cherish this moment. This is a life moment. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just let this sink in a little bit and kind of understand what we accomplished. I don't think we really accomplished, we really know, mm-hmm. under really kind of understand what we've accomplished yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked to Jen- Dennis Schroeder last week and he said it really hasn't su- sunk in yet either. And I think when I get back to Germany in, in a week or so, I think it'll start to sink in then because mm-hmm. um, there's tremendous hype back in Germany over this team. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, you know, it's just, uh, it was just an amazing run with amazing group of players, uh, coaching staff, support staff, federation, just, I th- you know, a lot of people have told me, reached out to me and just said, you know, they'd never seen a team this connected mm. for a long time mm-hmm. or, or, you know, just, uh, and I, th- I think that was kind of the best way to describe it. And you know we had a player, we had a team that was committed, but more than that, they cared about each other, mm. and they enjoyed the situation. They enjoyed playing with each other, and um, I think that was the most enjoyable part for me. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the gold medal was nice, but even even being around a group of players that really enjoyed the situation and cared about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think for something as grueling as the run that you guys went on having that care and connection with each other, you know, in those tight moments makes such a difference, you know, as a coach, maybe there's even times you can sort of just sort of lay off and let them figure it out because you know that they're connected individually and as a group. Right. And that's, that's awesome stuff. Let's get right into it. I have one question before we talk about you as a young person, the well-documented timeout with, uh, with Dennis. (laughs) And I, I, you know, from, from a coaching perspective, I, the thing that I loved and I shared it on our, our podcast Instagram after was the post game and, and Dennis mentioning something about how you apologized to him and how much that meant to him. Um, was that whole thing blown just out of proportion? Was it just the cameras in the moment? Um, and, and again, I think like you just talked about coach, sometimes those things happen and maybe that, especially in social media world, things can get blown out way further than they need to be. And it might, ruin a team, right? And I think it says a lot that it didn't become a distraction. It was kind of just a, hey, heat of the moment, we're all competitors. Um, but I, I I thought it was awesome. Like the whole, the, how it all played out, I thought was very, very cool um, and interesting to see. 
No, I'm a, first of all, I'm a, I'm a big believer in adversity. I think you mm. have to go through things. It's not really the adversity I wanted at that time. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was about seven or eight minutes in the game, and we were down by 14 or 15 points, and we were just playing terrible mm. as a team. It's probably the worst we played. And, um, I mean, Dennis, Dennis and Daniel Tice started yelling at each other on the bench, and, you know, we had to change some stuff, um, how we're going to guard Luca, um, different things. We had to change a couple of things. Um, our post defense, we had to change, and uh, I just got a little frustrated that you know we couldn't sit down and we 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 could we only have one minute in FIBA, yeah. and we couldn't uh, you know get things accomplished. And um, you know I apologized to Dennis the other day. I put my hand on his shoulder and I tried to pull him to sit down, and uh, I think he took that the wrong way. I didn't mean anything bad by it, but I was just trying to get everybody settled down that we could move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, that, you know, that was a defining moment for us. Down 15, we win by 29, <laughs> you know, against a, a top seven team in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, with one of the one of the best, if not the best FIBA player in the world. Sure. Um, so that was, I think that showed a lot of character. That showed what, what kind of team we were. And, um, you know, and... I, <clears throat> And, you know, I think we moved on pretty well. I mean, Dennis yeah. came back and played outstanding the rest of the game. Same with Daniel Tice. And, uh, um, you know, I thought we moved on from it pretty well, put it behind us. And, um, you know, we there are those moments. Sometimes you don't like them to be, you know, in a game situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you what, our practices were super competitive. We played five on five even before games. Franz Wagner on one team, Dennis Schroeder on the other team. Mm. You have your two best players, or who are two great competitors, and um, we had some we had some great moments in practice. And then the end of practice, Dennis would bring us together and say, "Hey, hey, we competed like we competed really well. Hey, but we're family now. We're mm-hmm. family again. So yeah. I think that says a lot about what kind of team we were. Yeah, and it and um, I don't know if you sense it too, just that. I see sometimes at the high school level, guys, we coach and things just that sort of, yeah, not a fear, but just that, yeah, like let's, it doesn't matter. Once we're in the lines here, a little bit of an older school mentality, we're going after each other, right? The well-documented dream team practices, any elite level team, doesn't matter what level it is, what happens in practice when guys are really willing to go after each other makes such a difference in the long run. And it sounds like you guys had that, which is Amazing. And thanks for sharing all that. Cause I, you know, it was, I was driving in this morning thinking I'd like to chat about it. Cause I thought from an outside perspective, it was interesting. And I thought there were some powerful moments in the locker room after, um, win, lose or draw. It just seemed like everybody was on the same page and able to move on, which again, speaks to your leadership. And I think the team and their dynamic. So awesome. Yeah, no, I think, you know, I, th- I have a great relationship with Dennis. Um, when I got the job two years ago, the first thing I did was drive to Bronswipe and I sat down with him and talked and, you know, and uh, he talked, I listened more or less, but it was about three or four hours. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you heard a lot of stuff about him and you hear a lot about negative stuff about different people. But I came out of that meeting very positive. He was a kid who really cared about his country. He wanted to represent his country, um, mm-hmm. loved his country. Um, so I just, I came out of there with a great feeling and, uh, um, you know, one of the biggest things, one of probably the, one of the best things I did was, 
it was it was and it was one of the hardest things I had to do. I you know I cut our captain, um, and I, I you know I made Dennis the captain, and um, you know and and it empowered him. It you know he he really took that right to heart, and I, I think that was the the first thing of really the the making of this of this team. Mm-hmm. And it's been documented so much. I think too. He's going to have. I think the work that he's put in and the success with the FIBA, I think he's going to carry over to a great year for him with the Raptors. And he's had some ups and downs. You know, people always want to go back to that contract stuff and he should have taken that. And I think that's probably hard and taxing, but when you can have success in the FIBA window, I think he's going to really have a good year with the Raptors. And I, I think that that momentum will carry through. No, he's very excited to go there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we talked the day he signed and, uh, he just, I mean, he has a really good relationship with Darko. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just, uh, I think it was win-win for both sides. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Dennis, I think he still has stuff to prove on the NBA floor. Yeah, I and, agree. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and I think one thing, it's really good to get a, a, a real good player who's highly motivated. And, uh, you know, I see that in him now. That's and awesome. And his family's really excited to go to Canada. A lot of th- a lot of people don't realize about Dennis. He's a great family guy. He's got three kids, a wife. They were, they traveled with us the whole summer. He takes care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, everybody sees the other stuff of different people. And yeah. um, um, Dennis, is, Dennis is a pretty unique individual. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing all that. Well, let's get into it. It's your episode. All right, you've got... Decades and decades of basketball history and knowledge. Penticton, BC, uh, born, sort of raised there. Why talk about yourself as a young guy and, and, you know, were you into other sports and why did basketball become the one that was for you? No, growing up, I actually played everything. And uh, back then we played different things depending on what the season was. You know, I played hockey, volleyball, baseball, basketball, ran track and field. Um, I skied during the wintertime in the Nancy Green program. Uh, you know, I water skied in the summertime. I did everything. Um, my, one of my biggest regrets, if you could call it that, is I gave up all that stuff to concentrate on basketball when I was about 15 <laughs> because I was about six foot six back then. And um, actually, I was a better hockey player than basketball player. And um, Even at that height? Yeah, I thought yeah. so. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, um, I mean, hockey was my love, and it still is. It still is my favorite sport. Um, Who's your team? Uh, Vancouver. Getting pretty excited. They're starting the season tonight, and they uh, are. Yeah. In Europe, I sometimes get up at four o'clock in the morning and watch their games. <laughs> oh. And uh, so. Sick bugger. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah, I know. I live and I live and die with them. Last year was a tough year. With if I can get off the topic a little bit Please with all that do. stuff going on. Yeah, around management and uh, coach, and I uh, felt really bad for coach being a coach myself, mm-hmm. seeing a, seeing a guy go through that. Um, so you know, I, I I truly believe you, you know, you you support the coach one hundred percent, or you fire him, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. In, in the public, yeah, um, that that kind of stuff. So I played all, I, you know, I played all those sports when I was younger. Um, um, when I went to Europe, I actually went out in the outdoor rinks and played hockey a lot with kids. <laughs> nice. Um, 
especially in Finland, because um, the Finns were pretty good at hockey. And uh, yeah. um, so I had a really good time playing hockey on the outdoor rinks during the wintertime. And yeah, so actually when I took over the German national team was probably the first time I ever watched more basketball than hockey during the season. Really? Yeah, yeah. Hockey, yeah. I can sit back and enjoy. Basketball, yeah. oh, I always yeah. get into analyzing it and 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 getting this way and that way and uh, yeah. I, I still think the Stanley Cup's probably it might it might be the toughest championship I think for the North American kind of sports to to win. Just the grind those guys have to go through, like and they it's like every second day. There's no you know the NBA can get a little fluffy depending on the the timing of games. They get three days off or whatever and. Those NHL guys, man, they are, uh, they're a whole different sort of animal. It's pretty intense. No, it's very intense. And you, you know what I miss the most? Mm. The Olympic hockey. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the best hockey in the world right there. I mean, you got Canada, United States, Sweden, Finland, Czech. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just uh, Russia when they were in. Yep. Um, just unbelievable hockey. And mm. uh, I, I, think, I think the world is really missing that right now. And uh, I know these players, I mean, um, McDavid and these guys, I mean, these guys deserve to play in this. And mm -hmm. uh, um, so uh, really disappointed yeah. in, Gary, in Gary Bettman, if I can say that. I don't know if that was his decision, but um, I know the players were really disappointed. Yeah, no, I agree. It is, it is um, and obviously having it here in Vancouver, um was super special too right and so it's just like i think yeah you get you get the best players in the world playing for their countries how how can you beat that really right yeah nothing like it and i think you know next summer with the olympics is going to be very similar yeah i think the u.s will have a different team france will have a little bit different maybe canada yeah it's going to be a great basketball spectacle yeah agree yeah. And yeah. so other than being 6'6 at 15, what was it about basketball? Like, uh, was there a coach in the neighborhood? Was there a group of guys? I mean, you know, a, a smaller community like Penticton kind of, you could see why hockey would be a little bit more popular, but why that choice and, and decision to to play hoops? Um, my mother was a basketball player. And, ah. uh, and we had a hoop out in our yard and... Uh, my mother had a chance to play for the Canadian team when she was growing up in university, but she married my father. She says the biggest mistake she ever made. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, she got me into really, we used to go out and play horse together and shoot. And she taught me how to sh shoot the ball a little bit properly and better. And uh, nice. so my mother was a really good athlete in a lot of different things. And uh so she taught she taught me a lot about basketball and and got me going. And I think she got a little bit tired of getting me up at five thirty in the morning and driving me into town for <laughs> hockey practice too. <laughs> yeah, I can't blame her there. It is the yeah. one of the grinds about hockey is for parents. It's early mornings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. And what was the scene like at that time? I mean, you know, we're talking kind of you know late seventies, sort of. Um, what was the basketball like up there? Um, what was your team like once you, you know, you played in high school and when did you know that, Hey, I think like, I, I, this is something I want to pursue at the post-secondary level as well. Yeah. I mean, when I played in, in junior high, we went to the finals of the BCs. We came second, um, grade 11, we went to the BCs, grade 12. We did not only one team from the Okanagan went that year. 
a big disappointment. I'm growing up. I really want. I had I had two things in my mind. One to go to college in the states. Yeah. And two to play for the Canadian national team. Wow. And um, you know those are the two things I really wanted. And back then, you know, it was huge to play for the national team. It was a dream of our of, of everybody. Things have changed a little bit, um, but those are the two things I, I really wanted to do. And, you know, I, I really got fortunate going to University of Idaho. I had to go the junior college route to get there. Yep. And, um, but when I, was at, when I was at University of Idaho, we were fourth in the nation my senior year. We beat four Pac-10 teams on the road by 20 points or more. We just had, uh, and that, that team back then, we weren't the most talented team, but we were a team. And it reminded me a lot of the German team. Um, we were just uh, a team that really functioned well on the floor, um, sacrificed, cared about each other. So that was a, that was a pretty neat experience back then. Yeah, people sleeping outside when we played in the tournament near the end of the year to get tickets. Um, and then after that, I went to Europe. I uh, played in Finland and Belgium. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> met my wife. Um, Ended up doing my master's degree in Finland. Um, uh, two boys. And, um, yeah, and so I've lived most of my life in Europe. Yeah. I've kind of home bases in Finland. But I haven't haven't really lived in Finland since 1999 as I've coached in Europe most of the time. Right. Um, what was the recruiting process in you know the late 70s how does someone in uh northern idaho find out about a you know a, a guy who's playing hoops in penticton bc um in that time did you kind of have to make phone calls or was it connections through connections i i went to a basketball camp in gonzaga mm. and i got mvp of the camp at my before my grade 11 after my grade 11 year and uh one of the coaches there recommended me to the coach at north idaho and um, that's where it started from. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was uh, UW and a couple other um, D1 schools were interested. But at the end of the day, I never got a scholarship offer. So I went to the I went the JC route yeah. back then in the late 70s. You got you got um, letters in the mail from yeah. the schools. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what, that's what <laughs> we got. And uh, so. Yeah, so it was good. I mean, I, I went to I went to uh, North Idaho for two years. Had a real good experience, real good coach. Um, and then Jeremy, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't that that Idaho JUCO league was quite solid for a long time? I believe was it not? Like, I feel like we had was it Roy Kruzwick from Kelowna? He might have gone to Northern Idaho. But I think you know there was a time. I mean, I'm a '95 grad. We there was a bunch of guys from my year, my grade 11 year, that went the JUCO route too. Dave Morgan was my teammate. He went to uh, he went to Utah. He went to like uh, JUCO in Utah and then transferred to Reno, Nevada. Right? Like it was it was a common thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Greg Wilcher went to North Idaho. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, then he went to Oregon State. Um, the big team in our league was Southern Idaho. Okay. And they had a few guys go to the NBA out of that program. Um, yeah, okay. So with the JUCO, that JUCO league was really good at that time. Mm-hmm. And most most of our players went to D1 schools. And mm-hmm. uh, so I was fortunate to go with Coach Munson at, at, at University of Idaho. 
And, uh, you know, that was just a great experience. And that, you know, that was my dream to play Division I basketball in the States. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and then, and then, you know, the Canadian national team. In case you didn't know our second sponsor, ATO Basketball, AKA ATO B-Ball, located directly at the Langley Event Center in British Columbia. This place has everything you need. I swear if you walk in and you're a hoop head, there's nothing you won't be able to find. Sale items, Jordan, Adidas, Puma, you name it. The brands are all there. Shoes, jerseys, retro, current, Vancouver Bandits, you can even get every basketball you name. Shout out to our boy Jeff at ATOB Ball for willing to be a sponsor to us. Go check them out. Check the store. Mention us. And who knows, you might find yourself lucky. Thanks to ATOB Ball. Was there ever an aha moment for you there? Like, what was the level like? Obviously, I'm, I'm assuming... You know, you're playing against the best guys in the province growing up high school. You're probably having some pretty good success, you know, dominating some games if you're getting looks from American schools. But what were some of the, do you recall, what were some of the major differences making that jump? Was it the intensity of practices? Was it just the level that there were nine, 10 other really good players there? Or were you just like, nah, this is a piece of cake. I'm, I'm no, I, you know, back then the compete level was so much better than what I was used to in Canada. Yeah. You know, when I, I think with, when I was playing in Penn high in grade 11, we went played a team in the States and Wenatchee or someplace. And, uh, we had better players, but we ended up losing by 40. Just, <laughs> just, just their compete level and their get after it was much different than I was used to. Yeah. You know, growing up in Canada. Yeah. Which is why probably that, you know, that Juco route is good because it's, you know, it's, you're still going to get some minutes, but you're still seeing that compete level. And then you get your final years kind of division one. Um, when did you realize, or like, I mean, you, you had earmarked the national team, but professionally, how did that work for you? Um, again, you know, and it, no offense, but it's, you know, we're in a pre internet era. Like how does a guy get himself overseas and build a career like you did for yourself as a player? Yeah, I went, I had an agent and he was looking at different things, Sweden, Finland, Belgium. And, and you know, the Finnish team came and offered me a contract in September and I, I took it. And uh, um, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty eye opening. We had two TV channels in Finland. They went off at 930 at night. Um, winters were long and cold and dark. What do you mean they went off? Like the... the there was no more programs after nine thirty. No more programs. The Is that news, a government thing or just? Yeah, there were government TV. There were government channels and uh, two TV programs. And uh, um, I think Monday night you got a movie. That was about it. And <laughs> that's why you. That's why you know how to chop a good set of wood because you <laughs> you had to get a lot of fires going to make the nights go by. Hey. Oh, it was pretty tough. I mean, there, my second yeah. year in Finland it was minus thirty five. And, uh, you know, you, you had trouble going outside. Um, I actually played with one of the foreigners when, later on in Turtico, and it was so cold one time. we go to practice. He would leave his car running the whole practice outside <laughs> just for it would be warm when he got out. And, <laughs> that was like my first year when I went to Brandon. 
and I'm walking on campus and I'm like, why are all these plugs in the parking stalls? Yeah. Right. And I'm like, oh, yeah. they're like, people are just looking at me like you dumbass. <laughs> like, so your engine doesn't freeze. And I'm like, oh, that's what I'm in for. Okay. And then, yeah, then it was like mid October and snowing and windy on and cold already. I was like, oh, this is a different level of cold. Yeah. Mm. So then how does one, how does one get through that? I mean, you seem like, um, to me, just kind of like a, a little bit more of an introverted kind of quiet guy, you know, family oriented guy. How do you make that jump from a place like Penticton over Finland? And how do you work through that, you know, playing professional basketball in a time where, you know, I mean, what you got practice and a workout, you know, it's, if it's not game day, or you're not on the road getting through those days. How did you manage um, the ability to uh, do that. I mean, you said you were in school too, but what were some of the, the the tools that you dug into to get through those times? No, you know, I think my goal was still play for the Canadian national team, and um, it was a benefit to play all play somewhere during the season if you wanted to play in the summertime. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wanted to get better. And uh, um, um, oops, what did I do? You're good. Yeah, oh, good. And um, yeah. You know, I really, wa- I really wanted to play, and uh, there was a time I, after my first year, I was, I was thinking about going back to law school at University of Idaho, mm-hmm. um, but I ended up not going back. I ended up meeting my wife, and uh, um, and I just want, I just wanted to play as long as I could play, and mm-hmm. and you know, I ended up start, ended up doing my master's degree at the same time up in U- University of Vascula in sports psychology and uh oh right. nice yeah so it all kind of worked out and yep um and, and if you know, you're gonna if you're gonna describe your game what was it like what was your game like we uh and come on don't be bashful here don't be bashful come on give us the goods <laughs> good basketball <laughs> iq a shooter who didn't play much defense <laughs> <laughs> okay you, you didn't hold back that's good all right no and uh I don't know. Shoot my it best. before you turn it over. Shoot it before yeah. you turn it over, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, my best friend, Jerry Bestlink, we played together. He's Canadian, played for the Canadian national team too. He plays in Finland. Mm-hmm. He, used to, he used to bug me. He says, the only time I passed the ball to him was in warm-ups. So. <laughs> um, you weren't going to get it back. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I, I had a really good experience playing back then. There was only one or two foreigners per team, depending on the mm-hmm. So, but it was a great experience. And early on, you get the call from Canada. Um, what was that like? You know, it's obviously you had a, you've mentioned it a couple of times. You had some things earmarked. Um, how did that feel? No, I, my, I think my first, uh, I played for the junior national team. Oh, you did? I was the leading okay. scorer on that team. And then I, after my second now, did that year, count for you? Did junior national count? Or was it, you wanted the senior men's team was your, your senior goal? Senior men's team. I just... Okay. Uh, and senior men's team, I I went to, I think right after my second year at junior college, and it was an eye opener for me. There was I think there was forty two players there. I think I was the first or second player cut, mm. and um, you know, and you know that's where you know I kind of, I'm a big big believer in adversity, failure, um, you know, not giving up. You got to. Adversity tells you a lot about the people you're working with, um, you know, and that's where it kind of started for me. I never gave up. I just, uh, I worked harder and I kind of, that gave me a, a chance to see what I needed to do to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I first of all made the team in 1982. 
Um, but I was only on the first first trip to, I think it was Taiwan. I didn't go to the Worlds. Um, I think Leo Routens came in because that was when he could play for the first time as a pro. Okay. Um, and, you know, in 83 was, was really my first full year on the national team. We won the Universiade in, in Edmonton. 84, we were fourth, at, fourth in L.A. 86, we were, I think, six at the Worlds in Spain. Mm. So it was it was a great experience for me. I mean, um, playing for Coach Donahue was a really life experience. Uh, we had Cal Botterell, who was a sports psychologist, which I learned a lot from. Mm. I actually think his son was it was GM of the Buffalo Sabres, and his daughter is on Hockey Night in Canada, I think. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. So Now, were you still, were you doing your master's at this time, or did you do it after? No, I did it after. I did my so master's you, in late 1980s, early 91. And was that when you had that sports psychologist, was that you're like, oh, this seems kind of cool? Or had you already had those thoughts in your in your mind and just learned a lot from that person? No, I didn't have those thoughts then. Yeah. I just uh, I just had a real good experience. I mean, Coach Donahue was a little bit like a sports psychologist too with, with yeah. life. And uh, and then Gail Balderall was great. And um, I just really got into it. I really, I used it a lot, what, what I learned and, you know, and then I went, I, it took me about three years to do my master's degree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had to, and I've even learned more now dealing with Peter Jensen. He works with Basketball Canada. He's been in about five or six different Olympics with different Canadian teams. Mm-hmm. So uh, working with him when I was with Basketball Canada was outstanding also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we were... Um... A little bit late to it, but I, it is such an important, I think even now today's like generation working with, you know, 16, 17 year olds, that's what I'm working with. And just sort of the sports psychology side of it is so huge. And I, and you're working with the pros of the pros and you're still doing it right. Um, I, I think it's such an overlooked um, thing or can be, I think sometimes coaches can get caught up in a system or X's and O's as opposed to like you've alluded to many times, a team that's bonded, united, understands their roles, which all, you know, go into that kind of psychology side of it. Um, So that kind of tells me that as you're playing with that sports psychology in the back of your mind, when are you starting to view yourself as, as a coach as well? Like you're, you know, you see, you said you enjoyed the game and understood the game. So maybe that coaching brain was always there. Um, When did you know that, you know, being on the sidelines with the clipboard would be something that you'd be interested in? Yeah, I started thinking about it in the 1990s, early. I had some knee issues, and I, I missed a lot of games. I, did, I had, I did not have one full season for, for two or three in a row. Mm. And right then, I thought about coaching, and I actually jumped right from the, from right, right from a player to being a head coach and on the team yes. that I. I was wondering because I was reading about you, and I'm like, there's no time in between here. Like it goes from one year to yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. And my first. Did you year have to coach, coach some of the guys that you played with? Yeah, I had to coach yeah. them. And my first year, we went to the finals when I was coaching, and I was a young coach who thought he knew everything. And I was going to say I, you I found, found out how easy it was, right? Yeah. No, I found. <laughs> I actually, I actually found out I knew nothing. <laughs> and uh, you know, it was. Um, you know, I think a lot of us not young coaches go into it and we think we know everything being a former player. Mm. Uh, we get on the other side, it's, it's completely different. And I've had a lot of players who who I coached come back to me and say, you know, who started coaching. And they've said, hey, 
coach, we had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and help me, please. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, who were your resources and who was your professional development back then? I mean, obviously you get to a point, you're playing in Europe, you've been with the national team. Um, are you attending clinics? Is it phone calls with friends? How are you continuing to grow as a coach kind of in the, in the mid to late nineties and, and figuring things out? Um, I went to a lot of clinics. I bought some tapes. I tried to learn on the fly. Mm. Um, I, I don't think you're ever ready for the next step. You got to kind of dive in and go. Mm. Um, Ken Shields was a huge influence for me. Mm. Also a very good friend. Um, he came with me three times. He came to Frankfurt. He came to to me with the with Greece when I coached in Greece, and he he came when I coached the Georgian national team. Wow. Uh, he lived with me at different times, and uh, we spent anywhere from three weeks to two months together. Wow! And he was a huge influence, and um, one of the best basketball minds I've ever run across, and uh, unbelievable basketball mm -hmm. mind. Um, you know, he still texts me at the Worlds now and gives me his thoughts. And uh, the text messages take me about five minutes to read, but they're <laughs> it's great stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, outstanding stuff. And, um, you know, I would never be where I am today without his influence and his help. I love that. I, I, I thought, what are we, we're like 118 episodes in, and I can't tell you how many people have referenced him, whether they worked with him like you and, you know, had him on their bench or, you know, he started those clinics at UVic back in the day where coaches would come over and they stay in residence and they go out and drink beer and socialize and talk basketball for like a whole weekend or week at times, right? And I think in terms of his, he was just ahead of his time and still is. And I, and I think for someone that's you know, and even yourself, like to still, I think it says a lot to continue to have that growth mindset, right? You get to a certain point, it's like the Milwaukee Bucks, the national team, like you name it, you've done everything in basketball, but you're still willing to, I mean, he was going to come to our, our clinic here uh, and do a, you know, do a session uh, last year, but you know, Kathy just was ill. And so he had, couldn't make it, but like just willing to do that just for the love of the game. I, I, there's only so many people, I think globally that have, have been someone like Ken Shields. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Absolutely. Um, and just uh, even a better person, outstanding mm -hmm. coach, even better person. Um, um, you know, I can't say enough how he's helped me throughout the years and uh, um, get on calls, get on text messages, even now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, he could go down as, you know, for me, it's a the greatest basketball mind in Canada, in my opinion. I mean, Dave Smart's had a great run, also a good friend. Um, so completely different philosophies. And uh, but that's what makes the game great. And uh, um, Canada, Canada, basketball in Canada has been very lucky. First of all, they had Ken Shields and then they had Dave Smart. Mm -hmm. And um, so, um, no, I just... Uh, uh, Ken's been Ken's been great to me for me, yeah. and uh, like I said, I would never be where I am today without him. I think to um, sort of that makes me think of we're in some some ways losing the essence of that of mentorship, coaching mentorship, right? Whether younger people think they can figure it out because there's YouTube and everything, or just I you know I. 
always telling people, I'm open, come to my practice or I'll come to your practice or whatever. And you're, you're talking about someone who's become a friend, a dear friend to you, but also was a mentor and willing to help you grow in your own craft. And I don't know how we get back to that, especially for younger coaches. Um, but I think it's something that's, that's vital for coaches to grow. Absolutely. I mean, one of the best things with this job for me right now, being a national team coach, I've got to go around and watch other, te- other coaches coach. Mm. talk with them, learn, learn, you know, and I've, you know, you, as, I think as a coach right nowadays, um, I'm not sure about other coaches, but I, I've recreated myself yeah. every, every two, three, four years. Um, right now I do nothing, but I did five years ago. Really? Um, yeah, I've, you know, I've recreated myself. The game changes. You learn, you, you move, you, you make changes. I have basically the same philosophy mm-hmm. on what I do and how I do stuff. Sure. Um, but I, I've changed things. I've, um, and maybe it's coaching the national team is much different than coaching a professional team, club team. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think, you know, every, every three to five years, you, you, you recreate yourself. I love it. I love it. I think that, and it, I mean, we're talking in basketball terms, but I, I, I wish more people had that approach just with life in general. Right. And sort of, mm-hmm. I think of my, you know, God bless my dad. I love him. He's still around, but sort of just getting up nine to five, come home, you know, put your feet up, take us to sports, go to bed, get up nine to five, you know, and just sort of like, I wonder if he could go back or would he, would he try to find different ways to be a better store manager or, you know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're saying something that's so important because not only that coach, it, it keeps you young too, right? Keeps you fresh. Um, you may not understand what the guys are saying to each other on the bus and how they're talking and you know, what Snapchat is or whatever, but understanding that they're not going to respond to you and you're coaching 10 years ago because the game's completely changed. It seems like a simple concept, but I really don't know if people really grasp that to be totally honest. Yeah. No, I th- yeah. You know, relationship building is so important today, you know, with the national team, I really went out for three things, um, develop relationships. One, I met with personally face to face with 35 to 40 German players. My first year um, Two, get your best players committed to play. And three, um, make sure they show up in shape. Mm. And, you know, you do those three things, I think you have a chance to be pretty good. Um, so, but I, I think getting back, I think as a coach, you have to recreate yourself. Mm-hmm. The game changes. You got to keep learning. Um, <clears throat> if, you, if, you, if you don't keep learning, you're going to fall off the bus. There you go. And, it's true. Uh, um, <laughs> very true. And I... For those that didn't hear it clearly, if just in case, uh, coach said face to face meetings. He he went out of his way to mention face to face, not via text, not via email, not FaceTime, but talking with people, picking up on their body language, being there physically in the room. I think is another thing that is so so important um, and and vital to relationship building and things like that. Yeah, I love it. No, I just wanted to really develop a trust and respect with the players, you yeah. know, and I, and to a certain extent, I can be brutally honest. I have a little yeah. bit different personality as a coach than I do as a person. Um, sure. So I'm quite different, but, um, you know, I, you know, I ask players, can I be honest with you? And I'm going to be brutally honest with you. 
But uh, I think a huge thing, you know, is communication. Um, you know, I communicate a lot with our two captains throughout the year. Um, I communicate with Daniel Tice different times. Um, you know, I just want to hear what they have to say. It's a little bit different than coaching a professional team. Mm. Um, but uh, how so? I just think with a professional team, I'm I'm not going to go around and ask different things. And uh, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I I just think with these guys, they're they're committing, they're making a sacrifice during the summertime. They're giving up their summers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're give you know they're away from their families for extended period of time. Um, you know, I want them involved. You know, at the end of the day, I'm going to make the final decision. Um, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk to our captains. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll get I'll get their voice. I'll get their opinions. Um, I talk a lot with our coaches. I mean, our coaches' meetings this year in the World Cup were a lot longer than our practices. Sometimes they mm-hmm. went two to three hours. And uh, you know, we we go in and we we have that mentality. Say, hey, we can agree to disagree. And here we go. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know, we want an open floor. I don't want I don't yeah. want people afraid not to say their opinions. Yeah. And at the end of the day too, if there's trust in a relationship there, they'll share that with the understanding that you being the head coach, you may make the final choice and it may not be that, but they at least feel comfortable in that room to express that, which I think is is the key, right? As opposed to everybody just saying sort of yes coach, okay coach, what do you need coach? You want blue Gatorade or water today, coach? You know, like I think that's that's a true culture. No, and I go in. I go into a coach's meeting. I, I kind of have have an idea what I'm going to do, and I come out. I come out of those meetings a lot of times with a whole different plan. Oh yeah, um, just because we've discussed stuff, we've put stuff forward, and and as I t- as I tell our coaching staff, we want our we want our players to be a team, but mm-hmm. we have to show them what team is. And we, if we're not a team, how can we expect our players to be a team? We have to show what a team is a, by our communication, by our actions out in the open. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, that's really important, I thought. Absolutely. Love it. Um, one question, we'll do some fun ones and then we'll get you on your way. Just uh, if you were to give advice to a young coach out there, doesn't matter what level they're, you know, grassroots, whatever. Um what what would be something you think about your own experience and your time as a coach and still learning and growing like you've talked about? Is there something that you would give to them or tell them to as a takeaway? If I could say one thing, it would be, hey, find a mentor that you trust. Have them come by practice. Um, um, have them come by games. Practice more important than games, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and watch and uh, get some input. Get, get somebody that's not there every day. Um, second thing would be go watch as many practices as you can from mm-hmm. coaches working. Yeah. 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 And third thing is um, understand we don't know everything. <laughs> um, you need to you need to develop yourself. It's like Peter Jensen has these ignite the, the three factors. And the third factor is your self-development. Mm. Hey, focus on getting better as a person, as a coach, as a leader, and uh, work on that. Love it. Absolutely love it. So you said practice more important than games. From a from a guy who's been over in Europe for 
just a, a long period of time. What's your thoughts on sort of the swing of AAU ball? I mean, I'm assuming you're seeing more of the club system where kids are playing at a club level, you know, at a younger age um, and committed to that club. Um, are we playing too many games? Uh, what are your thoughts and takes on all that? Yeah, I'm really out of the loop with the AAU. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the big advantage we have in Europe is with our national teams. Our players grow up playing FIBA. Mm. Then they go to the NBA. Then they come back, and it's easy to get back into the FIBA mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Canadians and Americans grow up playing AU, NBA, then into FIBA. Completely mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Um, I, just think, I just think we spend a lot of time on skill development. Um, you know, I, when I coached in the club teams, when we were practicing twice a day, we never had two team practices a day. We mm-hmm. had three or four or five different segments in the morning, individual practice. Mm-hmm. 45 minutes, 30 minutes in the weight room, come back in the evening, we'd have a team practice. Um, so we really tried to be pacific with individuals um, and really improve our individuals. And I found out with individual training, you can be much more positive, you can create, um, and players can be much more successful in individual practice than a team practice. And that builds confidence. And and also you you get, you develop a better relationship with players, individual practice, because it's not negative; it's more positive. And uh, so, I, I think in Europe we just we do a tremendous amount of skill development. What can we say about the people at Parkside, especially our guy Sam Payne, a huge supporter of basketball in our community? The gentleman does many things behind the scenes that people don't know about. And one of those is supporting our podcast from literally day one. Sam reached out to us and said, hey, I like what you're doing. How do we get involved? And what you can do is find them at any local government store or come down to the brewery, sit on the patio, sit in the back, listen to the music, come for music trivia night, whatever it is. The wide variety of beer that they offer is second to none. And Port Moody in the Brewer's Row is a great place to be. We are so appreciative of Parkside Brewery, we can't even say it in enough words. Head down, we hope to see you Parkside. And if you can't, find a way to support because they do a lot for us. Cheers. So true, I've never thought of that analogy of because you just think, oh, an individual workout's an individual. But yeah, they are developing more confidence because it's just them and maybe you feeding them the ball, giving them some feedback. But maybe they hit two, three, four, five in a row. Whereas in practice, depending on their role, you know, with the team, like they met, you get scrimmage out and they might get a shot up or maybe they go 0 for 2 and that's all they saw, right? Like I, that's such a very, very good point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Have you had any chance to uh, chat chat with Dirk? I love Dirk. Um, yeah, I mean, I yeah. saw Dirk in Japan, and uh, um, he texted me afterwards. And last year, when I went to the states, I went to went to had a coffee with him in Dallas. And uh, nice, um, you know, I I coached in Wurzburg one year just after he left for the NBA. Okay, and so I got to know Dirk's parents pretty well. Um, you know, Dirk's a complete reflection of his parents. Just great people, normal guy, um, uh, just a tremendous human being, and. Uh, so I love it. He I seems mean, like it. 
Yeah, I mean, he set the table for us. I mean, he's just an icon in Germany. Mm-hmm. You really can't go back there very much because... It's insane. Insane. I mean, yeah. he, he lives most of the time in Sweden, up in up in middle Sweden. Nobody knows where, who he is. And uh, um, so, we, <laughs> yeah, so cool. it's, it's pretty neat. We had, we had, you know, we had Dirk and... Uh, and now Dennis has kind of craved his own way a little bit after this World Cup, I think, which is pretty neat too. Absolutely, yeah. Now you could, how you're smiling describing Dirk says it all. All right, let's do some fun questions. We'll get on your way, okay? Okay. I can see the sun shining in the background. It's probably <laughs> a nice walk in your future here, and uh, you got to enjoy. If it's not raining this time of year in BC, you got to get out there and enjoy it. Um, all right, we're gonna jump around here. Are you books or movies? If you had a choice. Um. <laughs> Books and oh, movies. 50-50? Um, when I'm by myself, more books. Yeah. Um, I read novels sometimes just when I'm coaching because it takes my mind away and they're sure. an easy read. Sure. And uh, it's not stressful. Yeah. <laughs> so I always I always read books before, novels before a game or um, easy reading stuff. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I like to watch movies too. I more of the movies from early 2000 as opposed to these new ones. Okay, what do we got? What do we got? Come on. I like where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some no, classics I, for you? Oh, I like the old movies. I mean, um, 1990s, 2000s. Um, I, I, boy. And more about the actors and actresses at that time, watching them. Yeah. And their skill set? Yeah, just, yeah, I, I agree. Just think, I just think they're really good movies. I think I, I'm not a big fan of today's movies or to me or today's music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We'll get into that too. Is there a top of your head and no, it, you can say move on. Is there a sports psychology book that you would recommend to someone out there or something that um, has, has stuck with you? Absolutely. Ignite, yeah. Ignite the Third Factor. Okay. By Peter Jensen, best book I've ever read. Um, you know, I've read it three, four times. I have it with me right now, downstairs. I mean, I I carry it wherever I go. I mean, Peter sends me sends me different copies because I have to. I think my kid, yeah, yeah. My, my kid's a basketball coach in Germany. And he, I think he stole a couple of my copies. <laughs> and uh, outstanding book. I really recommend it. Easy read. Hits the points. There we go. I've I've got it in my cart on Amazon. I'll buy right. it af- I'll buy it after the episode. And I love the fact that you said hits the points and easy read. That's like heaven for me being a I have trouble with books, but if it's uh if it's something I can connect to and they kind of just lay it out and don't go, you know, down the squiggly road to get to their point, I can usually get through it and and take something away. Yeah, some of those sports psychology books are too difficult to read. I mean, yeah, just, yeah. you know, you can't you know, this one is straight to the point and mm-hmm. uh, easy read and uh, great read. Nice. Okay. So it is movie night um, at your house uh, and you're feeling a little bit munchy. Now, I don't know. I, I don't know if you're in Canada or if you're in Finland. I don't know where you are. What's uh, what's the bag of chips that you're grabbing? Is there a bag of chips? Uh-huh. I mean, you look like you're still in pretty good shape keeping yourself up. But if you were to kind of have the weakness, what are you going to? Uh, first of all, I'd go to the, uh, I have two wooden saunas at my summer home. I'd go to the wooden sauna. I have an ice saw and an axe. I, 
I, I make a hole in the ice. I go for a, I go, so I go to the wooden sauna and then I go out in the ice and I go for a dip in the ice. There you go. I, then I come back and watch a movie. Um, maybe a couple beers with some salted nuts and chips would be salt and vinegar. Salt and vinegar. Okay. All right. Old, old times. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Sure. Yeah. Oh, you're a, you're a cold plunger, hey? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I do it. I do it a lot. And, uh, Nice. Um, yeah, I just went swimming in the ocean up here in the Sunshine Coast too. Yeah, it's yesterday. beautiful, right? Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I just yeah. like the salt water too. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who have been some of the most important people in your life? <clears throat> Basketball wise, um, without a doubt, uh, Ken Shields. Psychologically wise, without a doubt, Peter Jensen. Um, Generally, my family, my kids, um, parents, kids. Um, yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot from my kids, and uh, um, yeah. So, how, how does it feel to have uh, a kid who's still involved in the game and coaching? What's that like? That- it's it's pretty neat. One of the biggest yeah. experiences I had was when he was doing his internship. I was coaching in Frankfurt and. My assistant coach is also my assistant coach with the national team. Took him under his wing and really taught him, helped him. And just seeing him grow in that situation was pretty neat. Yeah. Um, he was supposed to be on our staff last summer or this summer, but his club team in Germany would not let him. But, uh, I mean, he speaks in front of the team. He's the one coach who will speak in front of the team during the windows and do the personnel. And uh, That's um, cool. So, so it's pretty neat uh, to watch him grow. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Does he still listen to you? Um, <laughs> he asked, sometimes he asks me questions, and uh, um, yeah, they. So that's um, a no. He doesn't listen to him. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> they listen a little bit on basketball. They don't listen. They don't In listen life. to me. On, <laughs> I, I've been divorced three times, but there you go. Um, I asked Mike. You know they 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 start talking about stuff and my my both my sons say dad um don't take this personally but you'd be the last person we ask <laughs> and you're like yeah who would ever take that personally yeah thanks so <laughs> thanks a lot <laughs> um all right you're at uh, you've got the best seat in the house so whatever musical place you want um. Like could be a certain venue you've been to or always wanted to go to. Artists can be dead or alive. Doesn't matter what concert are you going to, or maybe a couple. Who would you go see? Uh, easy one, Coldplay. Oh, they were just here. Yeah, I can't get it. They were in Germany. Tickets sold out in five minutes. Oh, we've. I, I remember last year, kids in my PE class were begging me, Mr. Mitchell, can I please just be on my phone this block? I'm in the queue. I'm like the <laughs> nine thousandth person. I'm like, yeah, you're not getting Coldplay tickets, but. They look like they put on a show. Great show. I mean, I yeah. saw the I saw the video when they're in Brazil. It's just uh, not only the songs. It's like you said, it's a great show. Yeah, and they put on a real show, and they're moving around, and they get everybody involved. And I'm also, you know, I like Journey, Foreigner, White Snake, CCR. Oh, um, yeah, from the yeah. So love it. So I listen to a lot of that stuff, and I'm trying to get Dennis Schroeder into. Um, a little bit of that, but uh, he, he actually liked cold, he actually liked Coldplay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now yeah, listen, so. now listen. You, you, 
you're not a name dropper and that's not your style, but your Rolodex, your cell phone's got some numbers. There's got to be someone out there who can get you a Coldplay ticket. Come on, man. Like you, <laughs> like the FIBA champ does not need to be on Ticketmaster at seven in the morning waiting in the queue. Like there's a text or someone out. If someone listens to this episode, come on. Let's get let's get coach to Coldplay. This is ridiculous. Yeah, they're actually they actually come to Helsinki next summer, and it's sold out in three minutes. And they and they and they're doing okay. a second concert. It's gone. Yeah, I mean, I just I just think and then you can like, play you, triple the price after yeah, that. It's like, yeah. it's just like you said, it's a great show. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I went to Red. Uh, what is it? Red Hot Chili Peppers. Unreal. They're yeah, so good. A, it was pretty good too. It was. Yeah, yeah. I saw them. They just like. They didn't stop. They didn't say. It. I, I I feel like Flea at one time just said, "What's up, Vancouver?" and that was it. They just jammed yeah. for like an hour and a bit and walked off. I was like, "Okay, that's yeah. how you that's how you do it." That was they kicked ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was pretty cool over there. Yeah. yeah, nice. Um, okay, so I'll go. You can take this however you want. Let's say, okay, you can either be a player, so it's you and four others, or you're a coach. You're coaching, and it's five others. They could be your all-time favorite players that you loved growing up. They could be guys that you've coached. I know coaches have a real hard time with this stuff because they never want to leave anyone out. But uh, I'll let you take it to however angle you want to take it. If I had to do it right now, I would take our starters from the German national team. Oh, that's too easy. That's Schroeder, too easy. Oaks, Wagner, Volkman, and Tice. Now, if I have to go back to the 1980s, I'm taking Eli Pasquale. Let's go. Um, <clears throat> taking Jay Triano. Okay. I'm taking Brian Kellerman, who I played with at University of Idaho. Right. Um, taking Gerald Cavs. Yes. And I'll take Wilt, Greg Wiltshire. Ooh. And um, then I'll have Howard Kelsey as my sixth man coming in. And... Uh, that would be that would be my group right there back I then. Love, I like it. Yeah, I like yeah. it. So, I can see you guys on Kitts Beach, run, running game for a couple hours, not losing. <laughs> no, but if, if we were on Kitts Beach, Howard would be my first pick. Because <laughs> because he's the Kitts Beach legend. He's the Kitts Beach legend. He knows yeah. how to shoot. He knows how to shoot Shooting with the, the wind. wind or without the wind or crosswind. Or <laughs> he's he's the best. He's the best outdoor player I've ever seen. There you go. <laughs> love it. I love it. Um, okay, controversial question. We got two more before you. Very Canadian based. How how do you feel or did you feel about ketchup on macaroni? I'm not a big ketchup guy. No. No, but, sodium. Um, yeah, I just don't yeah, like it. A little it. bit, a little bit more mustard. Okay, more mustard. Yeah. Um, I don't put ketchup on my hamburger. No, um, I don't put tomatoes on my hamburger. Okay, um, but I like tomatoes. Yeah, ketchup on macaroni might be a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, the only time I use ketchup is on French fries, and I don't eat French fries very often. But that's the only time I use ketchup. There you go. I mean, you're getting some good European like some good German sauce. Like there's no need for ketchup on anything. It, it may be a little mustard on the side, right? Like you don't need any of that. No, the German so um, sausage with uh, mustard. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Awesome. This has been super fun and I appreciate you taking the time. Now, the last question we always ask is who's out there? Like JD Jackson mentioned you and he reeled off your resume on our show and, and, and talked about you being sort of 
one of the greatest kind of, I don't want to say unknown, but I think a lot of people maybe have, I don't want to say forgotten either, but just sort of until the FIBA, I think it was really great because people were like, oh yeah, that's Gordy Herbert, the Canadian. Like, And I think it's been great to see your name sort of be back out there because your story is rich and it's and it's great and you've accomplished so many amazing things. So on top of your head, uh, who's out there that has a good story, but you're the connection. So you've got to help us get them on the podcast here. Um, so don't throw someone uh, under the bus who's like, what are you doing, man? I'm not going on that show with that <laughs> bald-headed guy. Like, uh, who's out there that's got a good story that you think would be a, a fun guest to have? Um, I'll give you two names. Okay. Uh, David Blatt, good friend of mine. Oh, yes. He just had a pretty interesting thing on um, on Eurohoops about the, the conflict in Israel. Okay. Um, one of the best co- One of the best coaches ever in Europe. Yes. Got a bad deal in the NBA. Yes, yes, um, that would be fun to dive into. Yeah, I mean, much, just uh, yeah, just a great person. Obviously, he's going through a tough time health wise right now. Okay, um, but uh, unbelievable! One of the best coaches ever in Europe. Yeah, should you know he should have been a long time in the NBA. I'm a little bit surprised there aren't many European coaches in the NBA. I'm just uh, mm-hmm. um, just my take on it, but yeah. Um, no. I, I think just the style the style of the European coaches is different. People don't think they could change or manage. I mm-hmm. think they can. I, yeah. I, I had this talk with Darko the other day. Um, <clears throat> the other person that might be interested is Marco Pesic. Uh, his dad is, is uh, Svetislav Pesic, one of the Yugoslavian coach, won many mm-hmm. Euro Bas, uh, EuroLeague championships, one of the greatest coaches of all time in Europe. Mm. 70 years still coaching. Marco is a GM of, of, of Munich in the EuroLeague, former national team player, um, really good around German basketball. Nice. Um, so those are the two that kind of might give you a little different perspective as far as uh, um, outside of Canada. Yeah. No, I love that. No, I loved even just the what you shared a little bit on in your experience with the club system in Europe too is awesome. So yeah. All right. That sounds, sounds fantastic. I love it. But you know, David Blatt was with Canada now. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I tried to get him to come with me to Germany, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get Peter Jensen to come too, but. Uh, <laughs> hey man, listen, you can't be stealing everyone. Come on now. No, no, I didn't take any, I didn't, I didn't take any Canadians. I'm messing around. I didn't, uh, I think, um, I mean, Basketball Canada did a huge thing getting David involved in that program. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, just with his FIBA experience and NBA experience and and that. I mean, Jordy did a really good job, I thought, with Canada too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I agree. He got a, he got a, he got a bit of a raw deal with his NBA run there. It wasn't really that fair. So that'd be great. He'd be a fun guy to, to connect with. Now, before we let you go, oh, go ahead. You got something to say? No, I just think, I think Jordy will be a, uh, uh, a coach in the NBA sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hope Kenny Atkinson gets back. He's a friend of mine. Oh, yeah. Hopefully he gets back. And he, he was my assistant coach in France for two or three years. Nice. That's yeah, awesome. So, so. Love it. Yeah, it was, I was just down, and last night I was at the uh, the Jazz um, Clippers game. So hung out with Scott Morrison and, and kind of got to see the oh. NBA side of things again. And so that was cool, and I think it's great to see so many great, like we had, um, you know, 23 years since, 
uh, the 2000 Olympic team. And so we had as many got chatted with some of the guys and Jay was talking about, and he mentioned you as well, just sort of that Canadian coaching lineage that's starting to happen and it has been happening and it's great. We've got so many good young coaches and people like yourself that have just been involved in the game for so long. And I think we need to continue to highlight them more. I, you know, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I talked to Scott this summer about joining our staff, mm -hmm. but I was waiting on the German guy and he decided to come. But, um, I, I just think there's so many really good Canadian coaches. Um, and we're looking elsewhere too, too much. Mm. That's my opinion. I mean, there's just, there's really good Canadian coaches and, uh, I think we got to start building up these Canadian coaches. I agree. I mean, I mean, Jay's had a really good career in the NBA. In my opinion, one of the best NBA assistant coaches in the NBA. Um, and, uh, um, I mean, his, per, his personality is perfect. Um, yep. And I just I just think, um, you know, I just, Jama now with Toronto. Could be, an NBA, could be an NBA coach soon. Yep. Um, there should be more, there should be more Canadians. You, you'd hope there'd be more Canadians on the Raptor staff, put it that way too. But, there you uh, go. Um, I um, hear you. But, uh, yeah. That's good. Well, and I, th it's, I think what, I think what the Yugoslavian community does so well is they, they really bring that, bring their coaches up. They get them jobs, they promote them, they get them into good situations. Right, um, as opposed to leaving them to grind on their own kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah. I, think, I think in Canada, that's something we could do a lot better of. I agree. Sort of yeah. help pave their path with them as opposed to being like, we'll call you when we need you kind of thing. Hey, is that kind of right. what you Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, there's opportunities there, you know, create those opportunities. And um, yep. I mean, I talked to Kevin Hansen about this the other day too. Same yep. thing. Yeah. You know, there's... Um, we, we have a lot of great coaches in Canada, mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't know about them. Yeah, it's true. Well, I can say on behalf of Hoops Journey, we're trying to do our best to share those people's stories, and you're one of them. Um, a little longer in the tooth than some of the young guys we're talking about, but someone who's got you know, a, a ton of experience, a great story and, and just a nice, you know, gentle, great guy. And congratulations on all your success. I know we talked briefly at the Raptors practice there and you were talking about how you're going to fill your time once you get back to Europe, but, uh, you know, you'll mull it over, over, a, a cold plunge and a nice fire and you'll figure it out as you always have any last thoughts or reflections before we let you go. Uh, good night for hockey tonight, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, uh, Edmonton. Now, is your mom okay I, with this? Like, is is she okay? Or is there two TVs in the place or what? I had to watch Gunsmoke last night. So I, <laughs> <laughs> so, to make up for tonight? Yeah. Tonight, tonight I told her we're not watching Gunsmoke anymore. <laughs> uh, actually, one of, the one of the best shows in Canada is Family Feud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy, the, the, the head guy there does a great job. I like watching him. I mean, Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love but, it. I love it. But, uh, <laughs> as much as I like the Raptors, I hate the Maple Leafs. I grew up. It's Amen funny, to that. It's funny in Canada, how we all, you know, we got seven NHL teams. I think and we we grow up hating or loving some team. And I'm not one of these like. I don't know about you. If the Canucks are out, I'm not cheering for Calgary because they're Canadian. Like that's just not. I'm not rolling that way. There's no yeah. way. Like, I almost don't want them to win, you know, because they are Canadian. <laughs> like, it's just not how I roll. I don't know what your thoughts. If the Canucks aren't in it 
forget about it. No, I'm with the Canucks. I also like Edmonton a little bit. Just I like the way they play. Yeah. And um, Leon Dreisaitl has texted me a few times about, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that that was pretty nice. I mean, we have the same physical coach with the national team as his coach back in Germany. So. Oh, cool. um, Yeah, that was kind of nice. And uh, that's awesome. um, Yeah. So pretty, pretty good guy. Yeah. Um, Well, listen. I don't know McDavid, but uh, um, I'm sure. Seems like a great guy, too. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I think most of these Canadian hockey players are really yeah. down to earth. Yeah, um, haven't been spoiled. Haven't been spoiled by the system yet. Put it yeah. that way. Yeah, for sure. There he goes, and we'll leave it on that. Now, listen, <laughs> yeah. you enjoy. Get your feet up and enjoy the uh, the evening watching some hockey tonight. I mean, it, what a what a crazy kind of couple months and whirlwind it's been for you. So you enjoy that downtime because you know the chaos will come. And as we push closer to the Olympic, uh, you know, cu- the Olympics coming up. Um, there'll be lots of people in our country that'll be pulling for you and, and we'll be super happy to see and hope your team has lots of success. So all the best to you. Um, keep in touch and thanks for being with us. This was fun and an absolute pleasure and an honor. Thank you. As long as we beat Canada next summer, we'll be good. Oh, <laughs> oh. We, had, we, had, we actually had two good games with them last You did. Yeah. Two really good games. And uh, so... I mean, hopefully we'll play him again in the exhibition before the Olympics. You got it. And there you've heard it here. He's the Canadian is well, I mean, hey, you gotta uh, you gotta do what's feeding you, you know? What are, what are we gonna say, right? No, I was really happy for Canada. I mean yeah. um I've known Rowan Barrett for a long time. I was really happy for him. Yeah. Um you know, especially after it's not qualifying for the the Olympics before. Um, it was great for Basketball Canada, and, and it was great that these guys, Kelly Olenek and, and Powell and, and Shay Alexander, and these guys all come out and play now. I think it's great for Basketball in Canada. I agree. We'll leave it on that note. Thank you so much. Absolute legend in the game. Continued success. Thanks to all our sponsors, and we'll see you on the next episode.